I don't know about you, um, but there are some places, some places that I love to be in. Some places that I love to go, uh, that I love to take people along to. Uh, and there's something about them that are special places. And one of my favorite places at the moment um, is uh, a restaurant, a bar, down on the front in Torquay. Uh, it's called Visto Lounge. It is really cool. It's got a picture of a clown, which I sent a message off to Josh, because I know how much he loves clowns. Um, it's really great in there. It's kind of all like kind of industrial, shabby chic. Um, the food in there is fantastic. The drinks in there are fantastic. Uh, and you sit in there and you can look out of the window over the bay in Tor Bay and the pier, Torquay Piers going out into the water. You can sit there and whatever the weather, you've got this amazing um, view out the window and the staff are really friendly. The food is excellent. The presentation is really good. Andy, Deborah, you need to go there. It's your kind of place. It's the kind of place that would appear on your Instagram accounts. Um, I love hanging out there to the point that given any opportunity, I would go there, whether it's just for a coffee or a burger. The burgers are very, very good. Okay, um, But it is the kind of place that I love to hang out. Not just because of the food, not just because of the, the decor and the look in there, not just because of the view, but the whole kind of atmosphere of the place. The whole atmosphere makes me want to hang out there. And tonight, I just want to think a little bit about, as I said this morning, three things, three things that make us a church or make us a people where the Holy Spirit loves to hang out. And, you know, we say time and time again, you know, God promises to be where his people gather together in his name. And the word tells us that. But God's a complicated God, uh, and he's not as straightforward as we humanly would like him to be, and we know that God is here. But sometimes, and I'm sure you'll, you'll know this and you'll recognize this, that there's just a, an outpouring of God's presence, that it's kind of like he's kind of really kind of showed up, and sometimes we'll get that uh, in a service, sometimes we'll go to places uh, like Soul Survivor, New Wine, Spring Harvest, these kind of places. And somehow it seems that the Holy Spirit enjoys being there, enjoys that atmosphere. And I want to think a little bit uh, about three things that can make us a place, a community, a church, a people, where God, as the Holy Spirit, enjoys hanging out around us and with us and working in us. So there's certain places, certain ways of being, certain things that we can do and be that really open up a door to the Holy Spirit. And the first one is this. The first one that I really believe is this, that, that God loves, the Holy Spirit loves turning up, hanging out in the worshipping community loves hanging out where people are truly entering into worship. So the first thing uh, 
that we can be is as a people, is a people who know how to truly worship. Okay, so turn to the person next to you and say, we're going to be a people who know how to worship. That's cool. Dan's told a couple of people, so that is cool. Um, <coughs> he didn't just turn to the person next to him, he turned to the person behind him also. No, this is good, Dan. You don't need to look worried about this. This is initiative. This is taking things on a step further. Um, so, yeah, so we want to be a people who know really what it is to worship. Two Chronicles, uh, chapter 6 and 7. If you look at those, you don't need to look at them now. I'm not going to go through the story. I'm just going to give you a little highlight. Um, basically, it's the dedication of the temple. So Solomon's built the temple uh, to God, uh, and the dedication of it, um, he gets into a state of extravagant worship. Okay, you know how the Israelites, they used to worship by giving these sacrifices, and they'd get a lamb or a sheep or a catch they may or may not try to get bacon from Elizabeth and blame it on someone else. Um, but at the dedication of the temple, Solomon's kind of like, all out, he's like, I'm going to give this amazing, amazing act of sacrificial worship. And he does this. Well, it sounds like the best barbecue in the world, unless you're Rachel. Um, it says that he, he sacrificed 32,000 cattle. It's a lot of bacon, less, uh, And 120,000 sheep and goats. Okay. Just, just kind of like picture that in all its gory wonderfulness. Um, He sacrifices 32,000 cattle and 120,000 sheep and goats. That would make a lot of black pudding. Um, But it's just extravagant worship. He doesn't eat them. They don't have a massive party. They don't just stick it all on the grill and just eat until they're sick. Okay. It's just given away. Given away to God as this act of worship. And as they do it, they're worshiping God and they're giving him this sacrifice. And what happens is that God shows up in such a way that it says the priests are unable to perform their duties. Okay? The priests are unable to perform their duties because the priests are out of it. The priests are so full of the Holy Spirit that they can't do what they are supposed to do. Okay? It kind of maybe says something about the fact that God doesn't always want us to do what we think we're supposed to do. But it also shows that actually we need to be a little less British about being out of control when God comes and he shows up and his Holy Spirit comes. And sometimes, sometimes it is going to look a bit messy. Okay, so you've got priests falling over, probably looking like they're drunk in a sea of the blood of thousands and thousands of animals. Um, you know, maybe not how we Libby would decide to set up uh, a set which is conducive to worship. But, okay, it goes on again. And um, Pentecost, we're celebrating Pentecost today. So, um, if you t- I'm going to tell you what Pentecost is, whoever said that. Uh, was it Malachi Ball? Excellent, Malachi Ball. I am going to tell you what Pentecost is. Right? Here we nearly go. Uh, where's my Bible app gone? Right, if you want to turn, if you've got a Bible with you, or if you just want to note it down, Act 2. Okay, starting right at the start, it says this, the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost. That's the title. Um, it just popped up, do you love the Bible app? 
yes, I do, but I'm going to say no, otherwise it'll take me into a review, which is a bit terrible. Um, right. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, okay, all the believers. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Do you know what, Malachi, you're going to come and help me to explain to everybody else what Pentecost is, okay? Just, just come here, okay? All right. I'm going to give you a microphone. I'm aware that this is possibly a dangerous thing to do. Okay? Hold this and speak when I tell you to. Okay? All right. Okay. So I might need your help with a few sound effects. All right. It is on. Okay. All right. (laughs) Uh, That's, yeah, very good. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Be a violent wind. Suddenly, a sound like a startled owl came from... No, 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 no. Sound like a violent wind. (laughs) Somebody let off an indoor firework, and then the sound of a violent wind. Let's just move on. Uh, A sound of a violent wind came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Sit down. Sit down. There you go, you're sitting in the house. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. Okay, there you go. Right. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues, other languages, as the Spirit enabled them. (laughs) I don't know which language. Anyone you like. Jonah Bumper. (laughs) <laughs> Excellent. Well done. Bit of French there. Right, okay. I do not understand. See, I did understand though, which was ironic. Um, there you go. Now, they were staying in Jerusalem. Now, they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Maybe there was a French guy there. Okay. More of you, Lord. Um, <laughs> man, utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism. Yay. That's good. Um, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. Stand up and look like you've had too much wine, Malachi. (laughs) Don't take him to the pub when he turns 18, all right? Um, Then Peter stood up with the 11. You've got to be Peter now, okay? Stand up with the 11. Raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jesus. No, 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 not fellow Jesuses. Fellow Jews. (laughs) (laughs) Fellow Jews and all of of you in Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Let me explain explain this to you. you. Listen Listen carefully to what what I I say. These, these people, people, oh dear, just turn it around. These people, people are not, not 
Drunk. Drunk as, as you, suppose. you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what no, was this was spoken, spoken by, by the prophet Joel. Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they will prophesy. I'll show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. And it goes on and it talks about some other stuff. Right, so, thank you very much, Malachi. Give him a round of applause. I shall always remember that at the point that the Holy Spirit came, there was also an owl in the neighborhood. Um, <clears throat> there we go. So, right, the Holy Spirit comes. They're praying together. They're seeking God's heart. They're praying uh, indoors. And the Holy Spirit comes. And they go outside and they start to praise God. And they start to tell of the wonders of God in these languages that they don't speak. Okay. They don't go out there. I'm sure they don't go out there thinking, hang on, if we go outside uh, and speak in tongues and praise God, then 3,000 people are going to be added to the church that day, which is what it said. They just go out there because they're worshipping. They're worshippers. They're seeking after God's heart. They are a worshipping community. And as they worship, God's Holy Spirit comes, and the response to that, again, is to worship. And they go out and they speak in tongues. Psalm 22.4. Uh, different versions of the Bible put this different ways. And there's a little bit of an argument over how it should be translated. But the King James Version, um, and today I like the King James Version for this, says this. It says, the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. Okay, turn to someone next to you and say, the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. If you're a little unsure, unsure what inhabits means, is that what you would... You'd be just asking that question again. It means lives in, okay? So turn to the person next to you and say, the Lord lives in the praises of his people. I'm a bit concerned Tom Burgess is talking to the wall. Uh, but there you go. You know, anyway. The Lord inhabits, the Lord lives... In the praises of his people. And when we worship, the Holy Spirit dwells. He lives in our praises. God shows up. The Holy Spirit loves hanging out when we are a people who are a worshipping community. And sometimes, the things that happen when we worship, people think, okay, they happened in the Bible... But then they haven't happened since. And actually, maybe you're just being a bit kind of modern. And it's only in new fancy churches uh, where, where these kind of things happen. And it's a relatively new thing. And, you know, maybe people falling over and looking like they're a bit drunk. Yeah, it happened in the Bible. Okay, but then it happens. Everybody just gets hyped up at Soul Survivor and stuff like this. And there's thousands of people there. So people just get a bit carried away. And it happens. Well, let me tell you this. Um, there was a great revival, and the last great revival in this country that kind of spread all over the country, uh, involved a guy called John Wesley, his brother Charles, who was effectively a worship leader, and a guy called George Whitfield. Okay, they were around, and they were part of this great revival. And 
we know loads about what went on with John Wesley because it's recorded in history and he pretty much changed the face of this country. But he wrote a journal. He kept a journal and he wrote what happened each day. And I just want to tell you that on the 1st of January, okay, 1739, New Year's Day, John Wesley and his friends were hanging out. And we know this because he wrote this in his journal. He said this <coughs> in wonderful 17, did I say 1739? Yeah, 1739 English. Very posh and proper as he writes it. Mr. Hall, Hitching, Ingham, Whitfield, Hutching, and my brother Charles were present at our love feast in Fetter Lane with about 60 of our brethren. About three in the morning, there's some hardcore prayers and worshippers. About three in the morning, as we were continuing instant in prayer, the power of God came mightily upon us, insomuch that many cried out for exceeding joy, and many fell to the ground. As soon as we were recovered a little from that awe and amazement at the presence of his majesty, we broke out with one voice. We praise thee, O God. We acknowledge thee to be the Lord. 1739, these guys, as you can imagine, probably dressed very well. The founder of the Methodist Church, him and his mates, you trying to join in here, um, him and his mates praying together, probably worshipping together, and then God comes in such a way that they start crying out in praise, in amazement, and falling on the floor like they can't get up. And it says, after a while, when they'd recovered a little. Okay, so I'm imagining these guys trying to get up and falling over. And they're laughing and exclaiming in joy. And all this stuff's going on. This is 1739. Okay, in a little room in a house in a place called Fetters Lane in London. They were a worshipping community. And God showed up in his Holy Spirit because worshipping sets an atmosphere that the Holy Spirit loves to hang out in. Okay, the second thing, so that first thing, worship, sets an atmosphere that the Holy Spirit loves to hang out in. The second thing is this, the Holy Spirit is really welcome in a people who really understand God's grace. The Holy Spirit is really welcome in a people that really understand God's grace. Do you know what? The gift of the Holy Spirit and him showing up and stuff that goes on is really hard to be accepted and experienced by people who think they have to deserve it or they think they have to earn being good enough to have God's gifts. We talked this morning, or I talked a little bit while leading worship about worshiping with our hands open. Okay, and we receive from God when our hands are empty because it's at that point we're acknowledging that actually we don't have anything. We have nothing. We have nothing. He's everything. Do you know what the In the story of um, the prodigal son, the older brother struggles to accept the party that the father's throwing. 
because he's got a complex about whether the younger son, his younger brother, deserves to have these things. Do you know what? If we try to work to a place where we deserve God's gifts, we're never going to get there. Never, ever going to get there. It's all about receiving the undeserved gift of grace. As broken people, we understand that we can't deserve it. And at that point, we get it. We can't deserve it. And at that point, we get it. And when we're a people that understand grace and understand that we have nothing and that God is everything, then we end up creating something else. And another place that the Holy Spirit loves to hang out is places that are full of risk-taking and faith. And when we understand that we have nothing and that everything relies on God, risk-taking is much easier. When it's on us, when everything relies on us, risk-taking is really hard. When you realize that everything relies on God, then risk-taking becomes much, much easier. Taking a step of faith becomes much, much easier. And the more we take steps of faith, the more we take risks, the easier that becomes because faith is like a muscle. And when we use our muscles more, they grow. They get stronger. They become easier to use, and the things that we're doing become easier to do. When we use our faith to step out to take risks, it grows, and it becomes easier to take those steps of faith, to take those leaps of faith. So (coughs) God loves to hang out. The Holy Spirit loves to hang out where people worship. The Holy Spirit loves to hang out where people understand God's grace. And the last, well, it's not the only thing, but the third one I'm going to share with you today is that the Holy Spirit loves to hang out where people love each other. The New Testament talks about love so much, really talks about love so much. There's a whole load of sayings that we call the one another sayings, and it says, forgive one another, serve one another, encourage one another. And Jesus comes and he says, I've got one one new commandment for you, only one. And he says this, he says, love one another as I have loved you. And if we can truly learn as a people, as a church, to love one another, then we create this atmosphere of love and acceptance. And that becomes an open door for the Holy Spirit to move through. What's really key in that is that we love people and how we treat people who've messed up. And we've all messed up. We talked about that. We understand what grace is. We understand that we've messed up. And we understand that we can't deserve anything, but God freely gives us grace and forgiveness. So how we treat people who then mess up, how we treat people who hurt us, how we learn to forgive, 
is crucial in being a place that is full of love. All of this, <coughs> all of this is about seeking God. God loves when we look after him, when we look for him. Uh, and I was hearing a story um, about an uncle, and he often babysits for his niece. And she loves to play hide-and-seek. And this uncle, having been quite an experienced babysitter, the first time his niece wants to play hide-and-seek, he's looked after a lot of kids over the years, and he realizes that when you play a game with the kids, it is usually a good idea to clarify what the rules are and what their expectations are before you start playing a game. So he sits down with his niece and he says, okay, tell me what's going to happen when we play hide-and-seek. And she says this, well, Uncle, um, I'm going to go and hide behind the door in the kitchen and then you're going to count to ten with your eyes closed and then you're going to come and find me. So he dutifully closes his eyes. He counts the ten. She goes off. She hides behind the door in the kitchen. And he walks to the kitchen. And he says, let's call her Mary. Okay. don't know why. Um, that's an appropriate name for a small child. Um, is Mary under the kitchen table? And he looks under the kitchen table. And, of course, laughter comes from behind the kitchen door. And is Mary in the cupboard with the cereal? No. Laughter comes from behind the kitchen door. Is Mary in the bin? No. It would be a surprise if she was. Um, laughter comes from behind the kitchen door. And he goes behind the kitchen door. And he, and he pulls it back. There you are. And she bursts into laughter. And then she says, let's play again, Uncle. This time I'm going to hide under Mom and Dad's bed. But the child in that story is actually a fantastic picture of Jesus. That Jesus says, seek me and you will find me. This is not going to open the door. When Jesus plays hide and seek, he doesn't find the best hiding place. He tells us where he's going to be. And he says, all you've got to do is come and look in the place where I tell you. And you're going to find me. If we seek after God, we become a place where God loves to hang out. If we worship, if we understand his grace, if we learn how to love, then we're going to be a place where the Holy Spirit loves to be. And in places where the Holy Spirit loves to be, things happen. The kingdom is built and lives are changed. But we actually have to do something. And we actually have to look for him. And we have to actually ask him to come in when he knocks on that door. If you were at Alpha, it shows that Holman Hunt painting that there's no handle on the outside of the door. Because Jesus is knocking and he's got this lantern, he's knocking, but the only way he's coming in is if the person on the inside of that door turns that handle and lets him in. So tonight, we're going to worship again in a bit, but actually I don't want to just finish with me saying that. And tonight I just want us to actually say, okay, God, if, you, if you're knocking, we want to open the door. So if, we just, if the band can just come up for a bit.
Uh, and let's all just stand together. This morning I talked about um, the gift of tongues. And at Pentecost, that, that gift of tongues came out and people spoke. And um, I, don't, I don't know, who's, who's ever spoken in tongues? Just put your hands up if you, if you have. Cool, all right, okay. Um, it can sound weird. It can sound like people are babbling along. But actually, it's something that I am so glad I have the gift of. Because sometimes when I don't know what to say, or I don't know how to feel, I don't know what's going on. It's such a beautiful gift to me to be able to pray to God without having to work it out myself. And tonight, just as we worship in, I just... If anybody would like to have that gift... Well, you don't need anybody to pray for you. You can just start with it. Okay, it's not a magical thing. God won't, the Holy Spirit won't actually move your lips and your tongue. You need to do something about that. Um, Andy Croft says that the first time he spoke in tongues, he was sitting under a tree, uh, really annoyed that he hadn't got the gift of tongues, so he thought he'd just try it. Uh, And kind of, I mentioned it this morning. He said, God, if this is just gobbledygook, let it be gobbledygook for you. And as we, as we sing tonight, as we worship, if you would like this precious, precious gift, then either just ask God for it yourself and try it. Try speaking out. And just like a baby learns to speak, just like a child learns to speak, actually our, our tongue develops And it often starts off very simple and a phrase or a word. But as we learn more to pray in it, although we don't understand it, it gives our spirit a voice uh, and it develops into something that, that can bless you, to build you up, as the Bible says, but also blesses others. And we just want to be receptive if there's anything that God wants to do tonight. So we're just going to pray. And if you want to just close your eyes as the, as the band are playing and just maybe hold out your hands. We said, didn't we, you know, if, if we're empty-handed saying, God, we've got nothing, then we're ready to receive what he's got to give to us. So just if you want to stand uh, with your hands out, close your eyes. It doesn't matter who, who is around. We're just going to pray. Lord God, thank you. Thank you for your gifts. Lord God, thank you that you came in power uh, at that first Pentecost. Lord God, thank you that your gifts are for us today. And God, I just ask you that, that you would meet with us tonight. Holy Spirit, as we call out for you. Lord God, if we've never experienced uh, the gift of tongues, Lord God, tonight might you release that in us. Lord Jesus, we ask it. We ask that as we pray, as we worship, as we love, as we know your grace, that you might meet with us, that you might come and hang out with us, that this might be a place where people come to meet you because they know that you like to hang out here.
ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you want somebody to pray for you, uh, if there's anything particularly you want uh, prayer for, um, just kind of head up to the back and wave at somebody. Josh, you got something you want to share? Just an update from uh, Dave. Hannah's waters have broken and she might be induced in the morning if she doesn't start herself tonight. Okay, cool. So pray for Hannah as well. Um, I'll, take, I'll take the mic instead of your phone. Um, yeah, so if you, if you want somebody to pray uh, with you for the gift of tongues, uh, if you just kind of like well, wave, wave at me to start off with, but we'll kind of head... At the back, so you don't feel like everybody's looking at you. But let's just worship now. <laughs> 